Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Number Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the creator and writer, Ari Gross, here to promote uh, the first issue of his new comic series, Wardens, coming soon to Kickstarter on January 17th. Welcome back, Ari. Hey, thanks. Glad to be, glad to be back here. Well, thank you for joining us again. But um, outside my introduction, and for new listeners, who is Ari Gross in his own words? Who is Ari Gross? Uh, Ari Gross is... Who am I? Uh, I guess a Canadian. I live in Toronto, from Montreal originally. Um, done a bunch of stuff in my life. I'm largely overeducated. Uh, spent way too long in university. Uh, and now, like most people, spent way too long in university. I do something that has, you know, something kind of sort of related to what I study, but not really. Uh, which is typical. A lot of, a lot of people, you know spend their years doing PhDs and stuff, get a job that actually pays instead of flying around the world trying to like, I don't know, uh, beg for money from various grants. Uh, it's definitely, a, it's an easier life, let me tell you. Uh, but I'm a comic writer. I mean, first and foremost, at this point, uh, for the past four years, I've been uh, writing comics. Last year, I did uh, my first Kickstarter campaign for this book, Awakening, which uh, some of you who listen in to this show might recognize. And uh, I'm back with uh, uh, my first issue of the series that got me starting uh, writing comics. The reason that I'm, I wanted to do this in the first place and like my goal really for the past four years is to like make this a reality and uh, make this the series uh, Wardens, which is something that's like very personal and I'm super, super passionate about uh, to make this something that like other people have in their hands and just get it out of my head and onto a page so that like, I can enjoy it and people can enjoy it and, you know, bring a smile to the world. Right. So, I mean, I have a question for that. So we'll circle back to, to that later for the reason why you did something else before you did Wardens. But um, what is Wardens actually about? So Wardens <clears throat> takes place in the 1920s in an area of Toronto that was called St. John's Ward, or people just called it the Ward. It was an area that's currently downtown. It's like, right now, it's like the financial center, city hall, like the main action. But 100 years ago, it was an immigrant neighborhood. It was extensive. It was very poor. Uh, most people who lived in there uh, worked fairly locally. A lot of people worked in the factories around there uh, at Eaton's, which is one of the main uh, uh, factories of the time and the main uh, uh, department stores in Canada. Uh, it, was, it was an immigrant working class neighborhood. And so Wardens is about, it's about uh, the people of this neighborhood, in particular, people from uh, various communities, the Jewish community, Chinese community, Black community, and how they sort of have to come together to deal with uh, various sort of supernatural uh, uh, shenanigans uh, that get thrown at them. And it's really, it's kind of about sort of two things. It's about dealing with the uh, the street level, the sort of cultural, the social, the political issues at the time. There's a lot of like labor stuff, political stuff, uh, identity stuff. People, you know, being in relationships with people who, you know, people might not think that they should be in relationships with. Uh, and then it's got the sort of the fun, supernatural kind of comic booky, over the top, you know, sort of villain. Uh, it's got lots of fights. It's I want to make an action comic that's sort of fun that deals with, you know, historical fiction, but not in a, not in a sad way. Like there, you can mm -hmm. set a story in like, you know, a poor immigrant working class neighborhood and like tell a bunch of like, you know, really depressing stories, but that's not what I want to do. I want to set it to try to give a bit of like vibrancy and life to this place. 
which at the time, the rest of Toronto was like, this is a place that needs to get cleaned up. We need to shut it down. It was considered like the slum of Toronto. And I want to sort of, you know, put a, you know, put a different sort of spin on it. You know, be like, yeah, it was a poor place. A lot of people who didn't have money who came to Canada live there. A lot of people actually in the world before it became an immigrant neighborhood uh, were black and came from the States. A lot of people freeing or escaping slavery. Uh, there's a few prominent uh, black families in Toronto that bought some houses in the area and helped people move in, help settle people here. So it has an interesting history. It's got a, it's this sort of cool little like neighborhood that's kind of been lost to time because over the years in like the 50s and the 60s, there was a bunch of city uh, corporations, the main one in the 50s that basically just took a whole chunk of the neighborhood, kicked people out and said, we're going to put like new city hall, put a new thing here, which now it's like one of the major places in Toronto uh, to go. It's like the new city hall of Nathan Phillips Square. There's a big sign that says Toronto. It's like a major tourist spot. But that's like where this takes place. Like a hundred years ago, we're like, that wasn't a fancy place to be. That was like the poorer part of town. It, it, that was Chinatown. It was the first Chinatown that uh, was expropriated for the land. At that point, a lot of people had moved out. But uh, anyway, enough with the history lesson. <laughs> Ward, Wardens is about, uh, it's about fun. It's about action. It's a, it's a very Jewish comic. I'm Jewish. And it's got a lot of like Yiddishkeit, like a lot of sort of Jewishness in it. Uh, it has a lot of actual Yiddish, which is uh, sort of the historic language of uh, Eastern European Jewish people, which I know a little bit of. Uh, you know, my grandparents all spoke it fluently. My parents speak it, you know, because their parents spoke it. But it's largely lost. Uh, so it has a lot of people speaking in Yiddish, but translated. And then a lot of just Yiddish words that people will pick up from context. So my goal is to teach people how to swear in Yiddish, uh, which is pretty fun because Yiddish swear words are just like, are just really fun to say. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> call people. I mean, you know, there's a, one of the, I think, I don't know if it's a catchphrase yet, but at one point, Rachel says, you know, putzes get punches. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> someone, someone's being a putz, which actually just means dick. A schmuck also means penis. Basically, half of the words just mean penis. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to, I want something that's like uplifting, a little fun, and something that's different. Like, I wanted to write a comic that literally no one else is writing anything like it, you know? There's some stuff uh, that you know takes place kind of around the same period uh, that acted as a bit of an inspiration. In particular, uh, Bitter Root was a big inspiration for me. Uh, it takes place, of course, in Harlem, uh, sort of totally you know different setting and stuff, but around the same time, people dealing with supernatural issues, but also dealing with you know social issues. Uh, but it's it's got a different feel. It obviously has a different look than something like Bitter Root. I mean, the art is much more cartoony. Uh, so yeah, it's. Yes, that's what it's about. <laughs> so I know the, the genre is mostly like supernatural and like crime type combined together, um, and which is obviously fiction, but the historical aspect um, being set during a real time in Toronto's history, which you just went over with characters who were typically not seen as heroes in most comics even like in most of the media right so yeah. um during your creative process for wartons which way did you lean did you lean more did you care more for like the historical accuracy or did you care more for the the fictional elements of the supernatural and crime elements or do you feel like you were able to marry them together in a way that still tells the story that you wanted to tell so I'm by by training a bunch of things like academically, like I did physics, philosophy, history, but I did like my last degree was like history. And so like 
whenever I look at a thing, I'm like, oh, I need to go deeper because I know there's a bigger history. I know it's more interesting. Someone just says a thing, it doesn't mean that thing's true. Like, you know, like check your sources, look it up, like figure it out. Uh, so it's it's really easy to like spend your time as a writer being like, oh, I got to go like as deep as I can, learn as much as I can. But I, I found myself having to be like, for this project, I was like, go as deep as you think you need to go. And then like cut yourself off and like stick to the characters and stick to the story because I don't want it just to be, uh, here's a bunch of cool stuff I learned, dump it into a thing. Because that's that's not a story, you know? You have to be able to like weave in the interesting things that you learned organically. Like there's a few things that I've had to cut uh, from this issue or from future issues. I mean, they may come up in the future, uh, but it was just like really cool stuff. I was like, oh, here's like an interesting thing that like people don't know. But it was like, it just sounds like I'm doing like, you know, brain dump exposition sort of thing. Like it's not, you know, if it doesn't fit the story, you got to like, you can put it in your back pocket and take it out another day, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, there's a couple of books that were published pretty recently. This one called uh, The Ward, The Life and Loss of Toronto's First Immigrant Neighborhood, which is a collection of essays that came out a couple years before I uh, started thinking about this. And so I use this as a, as a good source. There's a few other uh, other books as a source. I, I used a lot of like, uh, I mean, I did, I did a lot of research, but Again, I, I wanted to make this a, a character-based story where, like, the characters are what gets you into it. I mean, the setting is cool if, you know, if you're, if you're into, like, if you're into, like, oh, I want to see what's, like, things were like in the 1920s. Like, that's cool. But not everyone, like, is inherently interested in this particular period or these particular cultures that the story, or, you, know, you know, revolves around. So it's got to have enough of the sort of cultural specificity to be... Uh, to be authentic and to be interesting and to be new, uh, but it, it still has to be a, a compelling story. So, like you know, I I felt like a bit of an internal struggle when I was writing it, uh, in terms of especially in the early days, to be like you know, research a ton. Like it's just got to be like me telling a history, but it's not. You're telling a fictional story, so you have to like decide that. I also decided at one point I was like, I'm going to make this set in like 1926. I don't know why I picked that date, but I was like 1926. <laughs> I think I picked it because it was just before prohibition ended in Ontario. So I want this to be a prohibition thing where like there's a speakeasy and you know, there's like someone's uh, uh, someone's like a rum runner and stuff like that. So like, you know, once you sort of pick, pick the things you want in the story, you sort of have to, like, if you want to be like legit, like you have to do it at a certain time, but I'm not like checking the calendar, like what happened in 1926 in Toronto in June and like basing it off that exactly. Like I'm, I don't want to be like super, super wedded to like a particular time and place and like the news events that were interesting or sorry, important then. Cause like no one really cares about like a lot of that stuff now. You want to latch on to like the characters, what matters to them and their lives. And in many ways, the characters and, and their lives are pretty different than like what was happening. And like, like if you read a newspaper from like 1926, that kind of doesn't affect most of these people's lives. Like, you know, they're living in like basically the slums working like just like straight up like working class jobs you know like some some are some are artistic you know some are in theater and stuff like that uh some are just like working you know like around the clock in factories and stuff but that that wasn't what people sort of think about i feel when you think about the 20s people have a lot of like a gatsby sort of like you know like like the the richness the lushness but i sort of want to look at the underside of it you know the uh side that doesn't you know, the non-glamorous side, really, uh, the real sort of down-to-earth kind of like 
you know, just people living their lives, just trying to get by and, you know, crazy stuff happens to them and now they have to deal with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, you just got to give them just enough. Like if you give a, a name of a building, a name of a street, and then um, what it was like, I guess what it looked like back in the twenties or um, the neighborhood, as you described, you know, all the different people that live there and the jobs, it, it gives the, I think the reader just enough that they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, especially some of the slang that's used as well. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure some of these people, like they probably dropped out of school at like 10, you know, to start working, yeah. which makes sense. If, if they had school, like if they yeah. had school. Yeah. 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 Um, and the kind of jobs they worked that were common jobs, like, you know, a seamstress or, um, blacksmith or someone who worked in a factory or someone who was selling, you know, uh, whatever, quarter, selling whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 So don't you give them just enough that it makes sense to fit that era. I don't think you really have to lean in it too much. Like, um, I just did a play. Um, that was set in the Yukon right around, I think, when the gold rush ended. Um, and we had a bunch of like supernatural elements in it as well. Um, we were being hunted down by giant worms that were under a frozen lake. <laughs> and a lot of the words that they used, like um, like sourdough was being used to describe somebody. And we're like, what does that mean? So it was a word that was being used by working class people because sourdough was considered like poor people food Mm. so i didn't know that and like lobster was also considered poor people food yeah it's like like um i guess the same way that we see shrimp or crabs it's kind of like the rodents of the sea or whatever yeah they're like sea spiders you know it's like you want to eat that yeah eat a fish are you weird yeah now it's like thirty dollars right yeah for a plate so yeah, I think just giving it just enough that it draws like it draws in their interest and it just seems accurate. I mean, if you stick with it consistently throughout the series or even throughout whatever story you're telling, it seems fine to me. Yeah, and there's there's some changes, uh, but because it's historical fiction, so mm-hmm. like the the main factory I call it it's Stones. Uh, there was no Stones factory in Toronto, but it's where it's like my stand-in for the real factory, which was Eaton's. Because I won sort of a factory run by uh, by Jewish uh, uh, bosses, and to sort of involve them in the whole sort of the dynamic and part of the Jewish community, I wanted the bosses and the workers to be in the same community to have to like go to synagogue with each other. And and there's some major antagonism between like the union boss and the uh, or sort of the union head and the boss of the factory or or the son of the boss of the factory. Uh, so there's like a few changes I made to be like, I need these people to like be in the same group in the same room uh, for like reasons of plot, but also reasons of I want to show sort of like, you know, the diversity within the community. Because I feel it's pretty easy to say like, oh, this is a Jewish community and this is what people were like. But that's like, I mean, there's so many different people in any community, you know, like you can't just boil it down to one person. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to sort of avoid kind of like basically cheap tokenism. I don't want one Chinese person, one black person, one whatever, one Italian, you know, like I want to dig down into the people around them and sort of show if I have my main, so the main Chinese person in the, uh, in, in the book is, uh, is Sonny. Sonny Wu, he's, uh, he's dating uh, Goldie. Uh, she's a 
she's the, the sister of the main uh, of the protagonist, Rachel. Goldie works at the factory as well. Sonny also works. He's a porter. There's a big labor sort of brouhaha because uh, recently the boss fired all the uh, all the other porters and hired Chinese porters because they're cheaper labor. So you have this sort of interesting tension of like, you know, he's seen kind of as a scab, even though it's just he's just the guy working his job because that's that's how labor practices are. People hire cheaper people, and you know, like there's like essentially. So anyway, get into these sort of like 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 play with the idea of a union as like solidarity, but also excluding people, uh, which are an interesting sort of historical thing. Anyway, I'm getting totally distracted while I'm talking. <laughs> so the first issue we have Sunny, who's like basically the only Chinese person you really get to know in that issue. Issue two, we go back to Sonny's place and we see his buddies, their community. You know, I don't have time to really go into all of issue one, but I want to take the time as we get into issues two, issue three, you know, to like, to, to really explore people in their own different contexts and sort of show the diversity within the communities, uh, you know, and it's not just like, not have people just be like representative of a whole group but just be like one person in that group and the other people who they interact with are different because that's how people are, you know? Yeah, yeah. So back to what you were saying before about how you did the awakening first and then you came back to Wardens. So um, what do you normally do with your work in progresses on, um, that I guess you plan on coming back to or even maybe some that you've, unfortunately abandoned and what advice could you offer to other creators in regards to their work in progresses or abandoned projects yeah so the story with this is uh in two in, in 2020 i like may 2020 i started writing wardens and i spent a whole year just writing it like i didn't know anything about comic like writing comics i read comics of course but i didn't know anything about writing comics and I was like, I'm just writing a story, you know, 14, pa 14 panels per page, whatever, like, just like, like kind of garbagey by like, you know, like later, but just a first draft of the whole thing. So I have like the plot from the beginning, the middle and end. I know exactly where it's gone. I know how everyone's coming together. I've got all the characters. I've got a good sense of who they are, you know, and uh, I was asking people, I was like, oh, so I, I, I wrote, you know, basically like I wrote a script or, you know, the equivalent of like, I wrote a screenplay, can't my movie made that kind of thing. You know, like I wrote a comic script, how can I get it made? And everyone's like, what's your comic script? It's like a 260 page thing. And they're like, that's nuts. Like <laughs> write a short comic. It's like, really? Yeah, they're like, yes. Like write a one pager, write a four pager, write a whatever. So I took some time. I started writing shorter comics. Uh, if you go on my website, uh, www.aregross.ca. Uh, you can read pretty much all my short comics. I got a few published in some anthologies, one in Tales from the Cloakroom, which I got here, Fairy Tales from Mars, mm -hmm. Might Magic, and Monster-in-Laws. Uh, so I wanted to do different styles, different uh, genres. I mean, this is sort of a space, two kids, creepy cave horror thing. This is uh, uh, sort of a fantasy comedy, uh, sort of D&D-ish thing. This is a sci-fi uh, thing. And uh, I figured the best way, I mean, I listened to everyone's advice, which is just like, start small, see how it's done, understand what it is to work with an artist. Like, you know, like just as a person who hasn't done comics before, like I just assume that like you tell an artist to do things and the artist does the things. It's like, it's a little more nuanced than that. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, they're not just these monkeys. It's like, yes, I'll do exactly what you say, exactly the way you draw it. Like, 
No, they're like people with like ideas and like they'll make your stuff better if you let them like breathe, you know? And so just, you know, learn those interactions. And, uh, and for Kickstarter, uh, I knew I wanted to do Wardens for Kickstarter, but I also knew it was going to take a while. It's a 44 page comic. So I knew it wasn't going to be like, like it would take someone a while to draw. And unfortunately I found, the guy I found to draw, Rob Genix, he does everything. Like Wardens is like a two-hander, except a three-hander if you include like my editor who has seen everything and is amazing, Aubrey Lynn, Lynn Jepson, she's great. Uh, but it, otherwise it's just me and Rob. Like he does the art, I did the story and the lettering. Like it's it's all the two of us. So it's, and I'm not the only thing he's working on. So I knew it was gonna take some time. I knew he was gonna have to get into it. And I was like, you know what? That's gonna be a whole thing. And also I don't know how to run a Kickstarter campaign. I haven't done it before. So I was like, I want to do it for a one-off. I want to do a one-shot just, you know, just to see how it is. And uh, for Awakening, it's a story I had in mind for a while. It's something that I, I wanted to write. Uh, and it was like one of those, like, it's kind of like my like Star Trek sort of Twilight Zone kind of episode, mm -hmm. like sort of sort of thing. And it's, it's uh, I mean, you could extend it on to something else, but like I had an idea for it and I was like, I got a 20-page story in mind. Like, perfect, let's do that get that out there, see how it is, you know, try to build up, uh, you know, a little bit of a following on Kickstarter, just, you know, see how to promote things on social media. I'm not like a big social media person, like I'm not on there a lot. So like, just even understanding how to do that's a thing, you know? And uh, yeah, so I mean, my advice for everybody is if you got like a big dream, like that's great, follow your dream, like don't let anyone stop you. But like, don't do that first. <laughs> like, you know, you gotta, you gotta, gotta walk before you can run and like, it's, and you have to like know how to write a comic before you write your best, you know, the thing you really want to write. Like if I wrote Warden's first and published it first, it wouldn't be as good. You know, it's better now because I have more experience. And by the time I get to like issue number six, like it should be better than issue number one because I'll have had more experience. You know, like I, as much as I, I love people to read and be like, this is the best thing ever. Like this is the best thing, all, like this can't be the best thing I'll ever write because I want to get even better, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. I want you got it got somewhere to go right yeah, yeah, yeah even if even if you love it you know yeah so with your experience with Kickstarter um why did you start I guess why why did you want to um do a campaign in after like right after the new year uh so I wanted to do a camp that first of all I realized that it's kind of a nuts thing a lot of people are like yeah go to the sir uh Basically, I want to get it in because I don't, so I, I applied for the Toronto Comic Arts Fest. So Toronto has like a few major comic things. They got Comic Con and Fan Expo, Comic Cons, and I think don't quote me on this. Maybe March this year, Fan Expo's in the fall. Uh, they're basically the same thing. They're like the big, big one. Excuse me. And then there's one called TCAF, the Toronto Comic Arts Fest, which takes place in uh, in a different place, it's not, it's, it's in a library, it's the reference library, and it's like different floors in the whole library, and it's just comics, it's like, no one, it's not like cosplay, like Marvel doesn't show up, there's no voice actors, it's like comics for comics, and that's, for me, I wanted to get this ready for that, and so I figure I have to be early enough in the year uh, that, you know, start the campaign early January, finish in, like, you know, uh, early February, get it printed and then get ready to present there. So I don't know if I'm actually in TCAF. Uh, I'm on the waiting list for it. <laughs> so we'll <laughs> see if I have to end up in this thing. 
but I was like, if I do get accepted, I gotta be ready for it. So that's why I pushed this sort of this far. Uh, I, I was playing around with the dates a lot for the campaign. I was like, should do it later, should do it earlier. And I asked some people and some people were like, you know, for what it's worth, I did my campaign in mid-January and it was fine, you know? They're like, just don't start a campaign like late December or like January 1st. So, you know, I, I just had to pick a date. So I picked it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen people do campaigns like right after the new year or like at the end of December and it was fine. But I had heard that it was really risky to do that, I guess, because of the holiday fatigue and um, like a lot of things aren't really happening right after it's either like from like December 23rd all the way until the, not even like the first, all the way until like, I think around this time, around like, like the 9th or 10th, things aren't really moving because people are starting to get back into the swing of things. Like That's you know, right, H- yeah. HR's out that whole time and mm-hmm. like people don't get paid again until whenever. So yeah, I just heard it was a risky thing and I wanted to know why you wanted to do a campaign. I, I like to live dangerously, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, all right. Is there anything else you want to share about Warren's, um, maybe the rewards for potential backers? Yeah. So uh, for, so of course the main thing, the comic itself, the comic is 44 pages of comic. Uh, there's four pages of uh, back matter. Uh, I've also got, I wrote a song for it because I'm kind of nuts, I guess. I wrote a, like a 1920 style jazz song. Uh, and I've got like the lead sheet for that in there with like the chords and the uh, and the melody. Uh, so if anyone, I'm I'm like a big jazz guy. Like I played piano, I played saxophone for like I don't know, 15 years or something. And so like, I like a lot of my stuff has music or has lyrics for music or has something like that. So if I have lyrics for music in there and I do, I'm like, well, I gotta I gotta write down like the rest of it. Like I'm not just writing lyrics in the comic. Like I gotta write a song for it. Like I, I gotta have the tune in there, you know. And that'll probably happen in future issues where I like keep on putting like more songs or something in there. Uh, so that's sort of fun. Uh, so that's that's all just like the regular thing. If you get mm-hmm. the physical, the digital, you get all that. Uh, the next tier, I'm doing a couple of uh, postcards, which are including art from the book. So sort of welcome to welcome from Toronto, like sort of postcards from like you know seeming like from back in the day. You know, pictures of. Uh, of like uh, Young and uh, Queen Street, it's a major intersection in Toronto. It's like the one of the first panels of the uh, of the comic. Uh, actually, I think it's the first panel in the comic. It's turned into a postcard, and another one as well. I'm doing trading cards. Uh, so for Awakening, I did a series of these uh, trading cards with uh, the different characters that were in the book, and the whole thing in the back. And uh, I'm doing the same thing for Wardens as well. I'll be doing five trading cards as well. Uh, there's a lot of characters in the book. Like, there's probably too many characters in the book. And my editor's <laughs> constantly just like, you got to cut down on characters. I was like, but they're fun. She's like, yeah, but there's so many. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing five uh, trading cards, trying to keep it tight. And uh, the other big thing is if you get, I guess, the next level up or whatever, I don't know if I have names. I'm sure I, there's names on Kickstarter, but I can't remember. They're not catchy. Uh, there's this 8x10 uh, art print done in the style of that Mario 3 uh, poster where like Mario's flying away and there's a bunch of people coming from like Bowser's castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, it's like, I don't know if it was like in the booklet or something, but my uh, my artist is like a big video game fan, and as well as I, I, I am, you know, I probably both grew up in like, you know, the 80s, 90s playing all of these games like obsessively. 
And so that was one of his pitches for the cover of Wardens. And I was like, that's actually amazing. But like, maybe put that in your back pocket instead of the cover. Let's make that like a print that we have for like another tier. So it's great. It's like, I'm, I'm really happy with how the print turned out. It's on the, uh, it's on the website where people see it. It's like, I can share with you after if you want. It's uh, so there's that. Uh, what are the other tiers? I really should know these off the top of my head at this point. <laughs> Uh, there is the uh, custom art tier uh, where uh, my artist will draw uh, you and a friend or a couple of characters uh, from the book in sort of his cool style for, at, at like in a 1920s style. Uh, and so he right now he's making uh, some with uh, some of the art that we're going to put on the website for that. He just showed me them uh, yesterday because we're we love to cut it super close last minute in terms of everything. <laughs> uh, so. And it was great. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, please do more of these. Like, people are going to be happy. So, like, you know, custom art. And then mm -hmm. uh, I think the biggest reward we got is uh, to be in Warden's number two. So, you know, get yourself drawn to Warden's number two, which also includes the 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 art thing for Warden's, for the uh, for the 1920 style, like, uh, drawing. So I figure if people are into that, they'll be like, oh, here's a picture of me in this sort of doing this thing. And I can then seamlessly transition to a person in the comic. Not a speaking role. There's lots of crowd scenes. I've got a very specific idea of where I think people are going to go for the second issue if anyone takes the thing. Uh, uh -huh. But yeah, uh, I mean, there. I had so many ideas for like other stuff to do, but I was like, I gotta keep it. I want to sort of keep it relatively tight for this, you know, like sort of keep it more or less about the comic or comic related stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope people are into the rewards. Uh, we'll. Once you know, once people check it out, I mean, we'll find out. But if nothing else, I hope people are into like the comic itself because that's you know, every, everything else is kind of like gravy. It helps the camp, like the higher tier rewards. You know, they help the campaign do well. They give people something a little extra if they're looking for something a little extra. But if nothing else, I just hope people are like, I want to read this story because it's an interesting story and it's unlike any other story I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, comic first. That's how I'm doing this. <laughs> um. The music, uh, I guess lyrical, I mean, lyrical and like, um, what you call it with the chords and stuff. Um, yeah. I'm learning how to play the acoustic right now. Oh, so yeah. could nice. I learn how to play that the the music on the acoustic or no? Yeah, okay. I mean, I it doesn't have uh, uh, like it's not tabs. It's like written okay. sort of like a piano or like a standard jazz lead sheet where you have the chords written up top. So like C, F, you know, A minor, whatever. And then they'll have the melody. Uh, so if you can can read music, then you yeah. can play it. Yeah. I have to learn how to read music. <laughs> I did not I just I'm just still learning the the chords right now. But I, I, once I get it down, I think I can start learning how to read the music. I have a just a beginner's book right now. So mm -hmm. I'm just I'm really just fresh. So yeah. it's gonna take me a minute. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a lifelong process. I mean, yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be cool. I guess I don't know if you're doing for the uh doing it for the first Kickstarter for this issue, but maybe for the second one that if you do a trailer, you can put some of that music in the trailer of it. Oh man, I've been like, I've been going nuts because on the one hand, I want to record a bunch of that and put it in the trailer, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I think, good enough in all the instruments to do that and then i started like looking into like using like sibelius or like any of these like digital audio workspaces to like do it and then i was like 
if that's a whole other thing like i just gotta learn to do it mm-hmm. uh so i was like i, I was gung-ho f- about doing that like a month ago and then and then like the reality of like oh i gotta do all these other things to promote this comic and like email these people and like make this stuff and finish the lettering and i was like yeah that just kind of fell down by the wayside yeah, uh, yeah but maybe, that is a good idea <laughs> yeah maybe next yeah. time maybe next time yeah, maybe if there's a maybe if as a stretch goal, if enough people buy it, then I'll uh, I'll I'll find a way to get everyone version of the tune for sure. Yeah. Um. Well, are there any other cons that you are going to this year? Because I know you mentioned the one that you really wanted to get into, but are you going to any other ones this year? And where can people find you online? Because I know you, I mean I know you say you're not really active on your socials, and you do have a website. So if you just want to mention a website, that's cool too. Sure. Yeah. Uh. I. I used to be on Twitter more. I still have a Twitter account and occasionally check it, but I'm not really hanging out there. Uh, I'm more active on Instagram, which is, I'm, I'm like, I'm telling myself I got to do it. I'm posting stuff. I'm posting uh, lots of uh, like comics trivia, just these like random comics trivia questions, just like as, uh, what was as, as posts, just, you know, like two images, question answer kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is just something I, I don't know why I always have like I have this like spreadsheet list of like random comics trivia that I want to do like a trivia night thing for and I did it with a few uh people but like that groups doesn't meet as regularly so I was like screw it I'm just gonna put these online so that's that's my like random regular content in addition to just like here's something I'm working on here's the thing I'm doing or here's like you know something I read or whatever uh but anyway I am on Instagram at college street comics uh you should probably throw up the actual uh, text for that because I forget. I think it's college underscore street, like forward underscore comics. Uh, but you can go to my website, uh, arigross.ca, A-R-I-G-R-O-S-S dot C-A, uh, because arigross.com is always taken. Uh, <laughs> one of these days, I'll get arigross.com. That's all right. I don't care as much. I got my own thing going on. And uh, on Twitter, I think I'm Ari B. Gross. I should probably know my socials a little better than that. <laughs> By the end of this campaign, I'm sure I'll know them really well. Uh, but yeah, you can you can contact contact me on Instagram. I think that's probably the best if anyone wants to get in touch with me. It's it's like the logo is this. So if if you see me, you you'll know it's like the right thing. You know. Uh-huh. All right, well, thank you again to creator and writer Ari Gross for joining us here today to promote the first issue of his new comic series, Wardens, coming soon to Kickstarter on January 17th. All of Ari's socials and website, as he just mentioned, will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link for those who are interested. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nervic Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.